Hello and welcome to episode 123 of The Winning Agenda. My name's Jesse Marshall and I'm here with my, should I say it? Byron sidekick, Wilfred E. Horrig. That's what I thought. <laughs> Uh, well, okay, maybe you can be the Byroid sidekick protagonist this week. Okay. You can have an extra string in your bow. Very um, flavorful since uh, we'll be talking about Terminal Directive, another story with a Byroid protagonist. Well, maybe. I'm not, like, I'm only partway through the campaign, but I'm not actually, sh- like, the Byroid is a bit of a mystery to me still. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe the Byroid is, like, the... I'm sure Brian can help us to figure out exactly what we would call the byroid in the story whether they're like the subject or a character yeah or a sure but i feel like the core people slash runners are the the protagonists yeah that, that brings true. us to another debate though which we were having before the show which was whether to return to doing runners first since they're first in the list of cards or to do corp first because i prefer doing corp cards because i like them more uh but i said you know, it would be in some ways good to get the bad guys out of the way first, which is the corpse. Uh, but then, Wilfie, you, you seem to have a different view of this. Can you explain? Yeah, I mean, the corpse are definitely not the bad guys. I mean, maybe in Terminal Directive, like, I don't... I've been spoiler-free, and so I don't know what uh, what the, how the story is progressing in your campaigns, but definitely in general, the corpse, uh, the good guys in Netrunner, they, you know, make everyone's lives better and they just enhance the world of Android Netrunner. Okay. This or is the world of Android or, or whatever, in like in the game or whatever. Mm. And this announcement was brought to you by Haas Byroid Industries. Um, <laughs> now, Sponsored we, content. Yeah. We, we will uh, head straight into the runners first on that note to get the quote-unquote bad guys out of the way first. Uh, and chief bad guy this week or perhaps, perhaps co-chief bad guy with the other identity in the pack, but it's Steve Cambridge, Master Grifter. Uh, interesting title. Any thoughts on the uh, the subtitle there? Um, just a sec. Let me get up my terminal directive cards. I my preparation for this episode could have been better. Okay, so b- before cool. we, before I th- before I throw to you on the topic of Master Grifters, we'll, we'll uh-huh. detail what Steve does. He's got zero link. He's a forty-five fifteen runner identity. He's a G mod. Uh, as was very famously said to us by, I think, a seven-year-old boy who was at the store championships in Canberra a couple of years ago. My favorite runner is the G-Mod, by which he meant noise. Um, <laughs> but here is another G-Mod that may well be his favorite. So shout out to that guy if you're listening. Uh, uh, congratulations on playing a store championship at such a young age. You did a great job. Uh, so Steve's ability is the first time each turn that you make a successful run on HQ, you may choose two cards in your heap if able. The corp removes one from the game, the other is added to your grip. So you can't use this ability unless you have at least two cards in your heap, um, because you have to be able to choose two, and if you can't, you can't trigger the ability. And the corp gets to remove one of them from the game, and you get the other one back into your hand. Firstly, I'll throw to you on the ability, and then we'll come back to the Master Grifter question later. Um, what do you think of this ability? Well, see how useful will it be? It's sort of the first semi-reliable criminal recursion that we've seen. Yeah, so the way I see it is it's sort of like Andromeda in the sense that it gives you more cards over the course of the game, which is something criminals desperately need, but it has a couple of key differences. Firstly, it doesn't it gives you them over the long term, not immediately. Secondly, it increases the number of cards you have functionally in your deck, like you don't just draw a card, you instead return a card from your heap to your grip, which is 
essentially gaining a card if you had no other ways of getting that card back. Um, but And in that sense, as, the card that you yep. lose doesn't really lose you anything if you're just playing a regular criminal deck with no recursion. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, But, I mean, counter to that, Steve, like it does require you to use Steve's ability carefully because if you remove something, it doesn't give... It, makes you lose the opportunity to get that card back later when like it's the worst of the two cards mm-hmm. for the corp so yeah so you want to use very, your yeah. you want to use your dangerous cards very carefully because really in order to get a dangerous card back you need to choose two dangerous cards yeah so you're always going to get like Disregarding the fact that your opponent doesn't exactly know what your plan is, yeah. Um, if if we set that aside for a second, you're always going to get the worst of the two cards that you pick. So, yeah. The idea is to make each, um, each trigger of the Steve's ability as close as possible, so that you're like you get a card of similar power and remove like you remove a card which is close. Wait, does that make? sense yeah that does make sense the closer together in threat value that the two cards are the more likely you are to get one that you want yeah and the better it is like the less detrimental it's going to be to remove the other one Mm -hmm. so So, steve doesn't make good use out of the cards you were throwing away as surplus anyway so they can there's no point in including your second and third desperado or your second and third security testing in your piles for steve because their corpse just going to give you those and you're going to pitch them again so it's going to give you maybe up to half of the legitimate threats in your deck back and by legitimate uh-huh. threats it's cards like account siphon or um breakers potentially if you want copies of those back for some reason or economy cards or your other threat cards like inside job those are really the only things of value that you can recur, I would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of like you really need... For Steve's ability to be good, you need a maximum density of high-impact things that you really are okay to get back. Like, that can be good at pretty much any point in the game. Like, once you get to a certain... Like, for Steve's ability to be good, you need to A, be able to get cards in your heap, and B be able to use those cards again like you said there's no point getting back your surplus copies of cards so you want cards that have steady impact over the course of the game and thankfully criminal already has many of those cards like like work siphon short mm. gamble earthrights hotel daily cast etc and it um, makes cards so, that expire yep. or, or die naturally things like earthrise daily casts um even the uh, tapeworm and, uh, to a lesser extent, Gorman Drip, things that you use and then get rid of, perhaps Cache with a Aesop's Pawn Shop engine or without, uh, with some other engine where you're trashing it. Um, those sorts of things that naturally die and then can give you value again if they come back to replace other cards in your economy like testing where surplus copies are useless, maybe a direction in which to take a Steve build. Yeah, I think so. Um, I do think that in terms of... Like, that's a fairly broad range of decks for criminals to have. Like, it really doesn't impose on you that many deck-building constraints Mm. um, compared to a lot of other criminals. So I think the comparison to Andromeda in that sense is really apt. Um, So I... But I'm still... I think the drawback of Steve 
not it's not so much in deck building, but that um, for his ability to be good, you need to be able to get into HQ, which like the corp has a lot of um, ability to reduce the strength of to like uh, mitigate that somewhat, like much more than Andromeda, which is has the as flat a power level as you're possibly going to get. Yeah, it's got a flat power level, and it means that you can build a deck with a lot of redundancy in it because it just is going to give you the cards you want more consistently up front in Andromeda. So you'll get your rig, you'll get some economy, and you'll get off to a decent start and be able to get into servers. Whereas with Steve, it's got that classic problem of runners where if you draw the wrong part of your deck first, you may not be able to get into HQ and therefore may not be able to get your train rolling. Um, but th- I think there are enough tools in Criminal to make that work between Sneak Door and Temujin to threaten other servers, and also Temujin is a good target for Steve's ability. I, f- I feel like it could work. Yeah, I think that the main advantage that Steve will have is that it functionally increases the number of cards that are in your deck without decreasing the chance that you'll find those cards. Like, compared mm. to Andromeda, it is decreased a little bit, but not as much as, you know, jamming extra copies of effects in your deck. Like, you, it's much easier to get, like, six or nine siphons than it would be with Andromeda. Mm-hmm. So, I guess one last question on Steve. How does he compare to Gabe, who also has a first-time-each-turn HQ ability? Do you prefer to get two credits consistently over the course of the game, or are cards that much more valuable, even if they're slightly watered down? Yeah, I think as I've said um, before when we were talking about other criminal identities like Ian and Ken Tenma, um, cards are still much more important than credits in criminal, and I think even more now that we have Temujin, so um, the Gabe's ability has gotten kind of worse and worse over time, whereas I think Steve's gotten better and better. Like, I think if this was printed in the core set, it would be much worse than... Well, maybe, I'm not sure, but the difference would be a lot less than is now yeah great so there you have it uh steve cambridge master grifter we never did come back to the master grifter topic what do you think of that as a as a subtitle for a runner what does it mean do you mean like would i call myself the master grifter yeah and and what exactly does it mean um i would say it's a fairly criminal thing to call yourself like that no you know no one can ever prove or disprove whether you are or not because there's no trace of anything that you do, right? So you might as well just say whatever you want. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And what do you think of the art? I think it's kind of sweet. Um, uh, it's it's the guy. It's Steve, right? He looks quite like stealthy. What? He's got like a little console, handheld console. It's sort of plugged into his belt. There's all sorts of cabling uh-huh. going everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like a grifter. He's got some sweet so. sort of stubble going on. Mm-hmm. One eyeglass that's green matches his console. Any thoughts? Um, no. Will that None. impact on your decision to play him or not? No. Although, uh, maybe we'll talk about this a bit later, but I did choose the Shaper in my Terminal Directive campaign. Okay, well, I will be choosing Steve, um, so I'll let you know how he fares. I haven't actually done the runner side of my TD campaign. Uh, so, oh, okay. Yeah, listeners, feel free to chime in with your deck-building suggestions for Steve decks in the TD campaign. The next card is Brute Force Hack. It's X to play, double event. 
So it's got the double text and it says de-res a piece of ice that has a res cost of X or lower. That's three influence. This card seems pretty high powered and pretty much as advertised. It's brute force. It's as subtle as a sledgehammer and it does a lot. What do you think, Wolfie? Yeah, so what stands out to me about this card is that it sort of pushes you in two different directions. One, I think of it as another one of the criminal like control tools where you kind of want to never run unless you have to build up money and dismantle the corpse remote. Like That sort of deck has been popular in the past. Hmm. Um, but also the idea of forcing your opponent to res ice only makes sense if you're going to pressure their servers so like compared to something like emergency shutdown it's not like you want to run a lot and make them res ice in multiple different places and then shut down them where they're the weakest but it's more like if they res you know you just build up money and if they res something on a remote that you can't get into you can brute force hack it and then run again um can't it just so be incredibly sweet in your average crim run-of-the-mill deck that has Aaron Moran and Siphon for that disgusting value of being able to Siphon for free um, and then just spends a bit of money on this, de-resing the ice on R&D that the corpse spent their remaining few credits resing, whether it's like a data raven or whatever, and then you just get to get in for free? That, yeah, that seems I mean, like a pretty crippling play. It is very powerful in the sense that, like, I think if this was... at like printed earlier in the game then it would have had some ridiculous drawback that it just doesn't have yeah um so it is efficient in that sense but like um it's sort of yeah i could see it like that i'm just thinking is it better than emergency shutdown in that sense but emergency shutdown has a problem where if your opponent doesn't have ice that's high value to de-res then it's much worse whereas this i think is a bit more flexible just because you don't have to pay as much to res a small ice and if they can't res it uh, that turn you can still gain some benefit out of that mm. yeah it doesn't require as much setup like it still requires a second click which in, in some ways is the same as emergency shutdown but the fact that you can play it from hand rather than having to get into HQ that particular turn just makes the sequencing that much easier um uh, once HQ is a little bit defended and I, I think for me the fact that it just as you say has no drawback other than the second click and it just does what it's supposed to do every time as long as you have money and since, since money is reasonably easy for crimps to come by and hard for cops to um, interfere with it means that you have a consistent tool to interfere with the corpse game plan that they can't really interact with which is always pretty powerful I think does that make sense? Yeah, I think so as well. That's basically what I would say about it. Um, and yeah, like the thing is, in my criminal decks, I always want something like emergency shutdown, but I really can't justify it when lots of decks just don't play any costly ice. So I think, yeah, the fact that this is a bit more flexible in that regard should make it strong. Yeah, I, I could definitely see it as a one-off in a lot of those decks. Uh, the next card is Spearfishing. It's a two-cost event. It's a run, three influence. Make a run when you encounter the innermost piece of ice protecting this server, bypass it. So it's a slightly refined inside job with art that doesn't involve someone sitting on a toilet. What do we think, Wilfie? Uh, yeah, it's basically the same as inside job, right? Like, it's 
if they have one ice, it's the same. Mm-hmm. If they have more than one ice, it's better if the outermost ice is something that you can't break, but worse if the outermost ice is something you can break, but the innermost ice is something that you can't break. Wait, did I say that right? I think it's the other way around, maybe. But I think people get the, the impression of what you're saying. The question I have for you is, is it more likely that it's going to be more beneficial to bypass the innermost piece of ice or the outermost on a two-ice server? Is it more likely that the innermost piece of ice will be cheaper more of the time? I think it's less like... I think that the like the best use of inside jobs and this basically is to get into servers that you couldn't normally get into. Yeah. And I think that this... It's usually the case that if they res one ice... um but then have a um, unresed ice and you only have one breaker, you usually want to get the breaker of the ice that they've already resed. Yep. So I think this is a bit counterproductive in, in that sense, in the sense that if you play this and they have an unresed ice, you still run the risk of running into an ice that you can't break. Yeah, and in criminal where you don't have SMC, you can't bluff that. So you don't have the ability to fetch your icebreaker at instant speed, which means that you have to commit to getting the icebreaker for one of the pieces of ice. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a lot less flexible in that regard. Mm. So inside job allows you to make that play that you suggested where you see the resed innermost piece, you get your icebreaker for it, and then even if they install another piece of ice, you know you can get into that server. This yeah, exactly. And, do that. that's, and that's good because even if they don't res you still get to use the inside job to save some of the credits for the ice whereas this mm. you know you sort of lose the benefit to some extent if they res an ice that you then can't get through like it's more risky to play this in that situation yeah so it's as good obviously as good against one ice servers possibly not as good against two ice servers um Unless you commonly get into situations where you find that people are resing outermost pieces of ice first, I guess, which could happen, but probably seems more unlikely than not, given the way games generally sequence. Yeah, I would agree there. Uh, The next card is Sin Attack. S-Y-N Attack. Any idea what the flavor is here? Um, No, but if anyone does, please let us know. We're dying over here. Yeah, we just can't wait to hear what a Sin Attack is. Uh, It's a double event. It costs two, and it's three influence. As an additional cost to play it, uh, you spend a click, so it's the double text. The Corp must either discard two cards or draw four cards. I have never been a fan of this sort of effect. I think we've both um, trashed Fisk Investment Seminar and by that I don't mean the game action trash, I mean sort of figuratively trashed. As Well, both really. Yeah, <laughs> very, very often um, because the benefit to the corp of drawing three cards is generally pretty high in that it allows them to accelerate their game plan. And the idea of introducing more agendas to the game as a crim player does make sense, but it's rarely out- it rarely outweighs the benefit that the corp gains from you accelerating their, op- their game plan and giving them more options. Does this card, Wilfie, do you think, allow that sort of strategy to reach a critical mass where you can really overwhelm the corp in a way that Fiskin's investment seminar alone can't? Um, yeah, in some way, but isn't like doesn't this not really synergize with Fisk investment seminar? Because 
if you don't want, like, as the corp, if you don't want to draw cards, you can just discard some of the cards that you're going to discard next turn anyway. Like, if the goal of Fisk Investment Seminar is to introduce more cards into the game, like those decks, Mm -hmm. is to introduce more cards into the game so that the corp will be flooded and will be forced to discard A, cards that they need, or B, agendas, then this is really counterproductive in that sort of strategy. Okay, I agree with you. Um, and obviously the, the choice that the Corp gets here makes this card significantly worse. And I think it's a, an apt comparison to illustrate the opposite of the point we're making with Brute Force Hack, where when you design a deck around this sort of card, you can't actually be sure what effect you're going to get from it, which makes designing the deck really difficult. Um, and the fact that the Corp discarding two cards or drawing four cards are quite different in, the, in what they do for the runner... Them discarding two cards is sort of like two accesses on HQ where the corp gets to choose which cards you access, which is pretty bad most of the time unless they have exactly two cards in hand. But then if they have exactly two cards in hand, then drawing four for them is probably not that bad unless you've got sort of a nerve agent with heaps of counters on it on the board. So if you take all of that together, there are some situations where this card is going to present the corp with two bad choices, but engineering a situation where they're both bad choices is not something that your run-of-the-mill criminal deck is going to be able to do that often, which makes the card sort of a fringe card, and in most situations, I think, makes it not great. Yeah, I agree there. I just think that the two effects, you just the corp surely wants one of the two effects at any given time, which makes this as a runner card pretty average Mm -hmm. the next card in the pack is polyhistor which sort of looks like steve cambridge's um console that he's carrying yeah i think that's the point yeah i mean you would expect it is but it uh it must be the lighting in the room sort of a different color on the screen that's fine it's a hardware console for to install for influence unique and it's got the console text it gives you one memory and one link The first time each turn you pass all of the ice protecting HQ, you may draw one card to force the corp to draw one card. Synergizes with Steve's ability, Wilfie, in that you're giving yourself even more resources every time you run HQ, but you're also giving them a card. Yeah, I think that, like, if the... Fisk Investment Seminar sort of deck is going to be good already, then this card, I guess, does flood the corp with more cards, which is, I guess, the game plan, because it's a critical mass Mm -hmm. um, deck. But I really can't see playing it in a regular deck just because, like, you drawing one card to force the corp to draw one card, is that good? Like, Sometimes it's good, but sometimes it doesn't really do that much, right? Like, it's hard. Yeah. I, I feel like it's going to be hard to work out a situation where that's always going to... You can engineer a situation where it's always going to be a really good ability for the runner to have, like, enough that you want to play this card over Desperado, which is now um, off the MWL. Mm. Yep, so a fringe ability, one that, again, has that Fisk Investment Seminars type strategy but in general yeah it brings all of my skepticism to bear about whether allowing the corp to draw free cards is a good thing for the runner abagnale is the next card for to, for to play uh one memory program 
It's an icebreaker decoder. So it's got one click to break a code gate subroutine. Sorry, one credit to break a code gate subroutine. Two credits for plus two strength. Trash, bypass a piece of code gate ice currently being encountered, even if it has strength greater than Abagnale. Um, would it this... be good to talk about the three um, yeah. con, well, I guess we con can... breakers, I think? Yeah, we can give all their stats together. So that's the decoder. The killer is five to play one strength. So the decoder was four to play two strength. Crims get um, decent decoders, I guess. Uh, five to play one strength for the uh, killer. One to break a subroutine, three credits for plus five strength. Is that the same as Ninja's pump? Um, Ninja is plus three. Yeah, it's the same as Ninja, except it has an extra strength. But Ninja is pretty far below the curve nowadays. Mm. Uh, Trash, again, to bypass a piece of Sentry Ice, even if it has strength greater than Lustig. And Damara is the barrier breaker. Four to play for one strength. Two credits to break up to two subroutines. And two credits for plus three strength. And then it's got the same Trash ability. So... I guess, should we start with, we'll just take them in order. The code gate, the killer, is reasonable stats for most Sorry, code gates, I decoder? suppose. Yeah, yeah. Now, Sorry, decoder, the decoder. Right yeah, Sorry, the decoder, yeah. It is, um, yeah, my mistake. The decoder is reasonable stats for most code gates in that between two and four, um, there are quite a few. Sorry, there are quite a few at four and there are quite a few at two and below two. So I think those, the fact that it, has those two modes for either zero or two credits is pretty good. Above four, it get, it then goes to six, which then encompasses all the fives and sixes. And then you're paying four credits for a pump. That's not too bad. One to break a subroutine. That's not too bad. The question I have is what, how do you value this trash ability on these icebreakers? Do you think it's a good ability to have? Yeah, I kind of see them all as being pretty similar in the sense that they have they're reasonable but not great like they're okay if you want to play in faction um icebreakers in your criminal but i don't think any of them are stellar enough that have stellar enough numbers that you want to splash them out of faction but they're perfectly serviceable like i think abagnale damara especially but like just because barriers uh dakotas and Fractors are the good ones are more are simpler. They they usually have pump. They usually pump and break in fairly simple manners. Whereas good killers are a bit strange. They have strange drawbacks or cost a lot, like mimic, fem, fairy, or mongoose. Um, mongoose yep. I think so, Lustig yep. on that on that topic. I think Lustig is probably a little too far below mongoose to be playable. Yeah, that's my Would you agree with that? feeling as well. Um, but on your question, like the trash ability, I sort of see it as a concession to the fact that like these cards are free ways to run more than one of each icebreaker in your criminal deck. And the trash yeah. ability is just a way to make use of multiple like spare copies. Because like, so it can be the, an economy card. It's like half economy card, half icebreaker. Yes, yeah, sort of like an inside job, except not really, just because if you're at the point in the game where you can afford to throw away your icebreaker because you have spares, you probably can break 
like a lot of things already like it seems like unless it's the last run of the game or the last turn of the game and you need some yeah and you need some like stim hacky economy it seems that ability doesn't seem like it would come up that often but how often do you judge that a run is probably the last run of the game in what percentage of your games do you think you can make that assessment well, I mean, when you have something like medium or your opponent's about to score, mm. like it doesn't, it's not that rare, I think. But I, I agree. Do think I think it comes the... up quite often. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sweet. All right. Perfect. <laughs> so, for that reason, I think that it is quite a good ability then, in that it's not of negligible value to have this additional, what is effectively economy boost on a turn or on a run that you decide is probably the last run of the game or, in, or is a very key run. Uh huh. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, I think so. Like, but like the ability might let you. It might let you run HQ and R and D on a, on the crucial turn. That's true, but on the other hand, do you really find that happens like that much? Where money is the thing that's keeping you from scoring like the last couple points on one turn. Like it, it does happen sometimes, but you know, I do. I think not super not enough to make these this ability like groundbreaking as to whether you want to play it or not in your deck Hmm. maybe not groundbreaking but possibly smooths out the economy question a little bit in terms of the cost of the breakers like maybe makes abagnale a more attractive breaker when compared with gordian blade than would otherwise be the case yeah, that's true. Um, I think... Do you think it's better than the retained strength ability? Well, if we're looking at... I was more thinking if you don't want to pay the influence. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, like, I think it's... These are good So way. then, like, you know, it, mm-hmm. all of those are parts of the equation. Right. Um, yeah, I sort of see it like, as I said before, like, a free way to include multiple copies of breakers in your deck. And, like... I, in that sense it's one of the better like secondary abilities that you can have on a breaker the ability to cash it in for an economy Mm. card when the breaker isn't relevant um lets you like it's really dissimilar to what breakers normally do i think Mm. um so yeah i can see all of these cards seeing at least a little bit of play um just because of their the fact that they're reasonably efficient and um, in faction breakers for criminal decks. Cool. The next card is Mamon. It's a, a program icebreaker AI. Now, have we had a criminal AI before? I don't think so. Like, Overmind is the only AI that I can think of that seems like it should be a criminal card, but or like could be a criminal card, has been played in criminal decks before, but I don't think there's been an explicitly blue one. Mm. So anyway, could be breaking new ground here. I'm sure our listeners will be quick to point out if we've missed some fantastic Darwin-sized monstrosity in the past. Yes, uh, I can only imagine. three to install, one memory. <laughs> three to install, one memory, zero strength, two influence. It's got an ability, hosted power counter, break ice subroutine. Two credits for plus two strength. When your turn begins, you may pay X credits to place X power counters on Mammon. When your turn ends, remove all hosted power counters. So the start of your turn, you can pay any number of credits 
and this gets to break that many up to that many subroutines during that turn. So you have to sort of guess at the start of your turn how many subroutines you'll need to break, and you have to have that many credits available. So it's effectively one credit to break a subroutine, but you have to pay it in advance at the start of your turn. And then it's got two credits for plus two strength, which is a pretty decent pump ratio. Um, what do you think of this, Wilfie? Like, I, I think that's pretty powerful. If we, if we consider that crims are awash with money as a faction in general, that's sort of one of their greatest strengths, uh, the ability to turn that money into broken subroutines at a rate of one credit to one subroutine through one card seems like it fits pretty well with criminal strategy. Yeah, I think so too. Like, um, the thing to note about this card is that maybe we've been a bit spoiled by Faust being so good and so prevalent for so long. It might warp our perceptions of what AI, like what the AI type means in terms of a card's playability. Um, mm. But the thing is, like this card has a really weird pattern just because it's not, like it's a, it's very strange I think to plan out your turn this much in advance. Like not that it hasn't been like not that that I think that the ability makes it unplayable or anything, but just that I feel like we haven't really had an effect like this in the game before where you really have to guess what you're going to do with your turn. And I mean it is a guess to some extent. Like of course you know that on some turns you're never gonna run, but if your opponent installs and advances in a remote, like how many cr how many power counters you put on this depends very drastically on the board state. Yeah, it does synergize pretty well with some existing criminal tools like Forged Activation Orders to give yourself the information in advance um, and let you assess your runs really clearly. And I agree with you that the card's playability does very much come down to how much of a drawback planning things in advance is. But I feel like it, it is a drawback that may be able to be overcome through deck building with things like Forged Activation Orders. What are your thoughts? Um... I'm not sure, like, I still don't, like, okay, if we just take it as a zero cost, two strength, plus two, two strength, one to boost, um, sorry, plus two, two strength, one to break, zero strength, AI breaker, it would be very strong in criminal, um, I think, mostly in A decks that want to enable siphon, and B decks that want to camp remotes, like, where you never want to run until you siphon them. Or, and maybe you don't want to spend influence on either or Faust. So, like, in that sense, the power counters thing doesn't matter too much. Like, it's fairly similar to that, just because overshooting is not that big a deal if, as you say, criminals are really awash with money. Mm. Um, but using it as a primary breaker, I think, just because of the zero strength isn't the best idea like it quickly becomes prohibitive to get into remotes and that's the case with any ai breaker or, or like any fair ai breaker not including faust right mm. yeah uh but then how you mitigate that downside with things like brute force hack and uh, well ice removal essentially is the way that uh an arc overcame the expense of Faust, which was cards, was by being able to remove the ice really efficiently from the board. 
And if you can instead fit this into a crim econ denial strategy that removes the cops ability to res their ice at all at, by depriving them of credits and de-resing ice that they do res, um, it seems like this, you may be able to build a, build a viable strategy where Mammon is all you need, really. Yeah, very possibly. Um, like, as I said, it's, I think it will sort of allow for criminal siphon decks to do what Anarch siphon decks have done with regard to playing Eater as your primary icebreaker. Now you can play Mammon mm. if you want to. Um, so, like, I'd be interested to play around with that a little just because, um, you know, those sort of decks haven't been very good in Criminal in the past. Mm. Um, but we'll see how that turns out, I think, just because, um, like, whether that's better than just playing Siphon in Anarch is, remains to be seen. But, yeah, I don't... I think that the ability is strange, but thinking about it now, I don't really think it actually turns out to be that impactful compared to just paying one to break. Like, of course, it's worse just because you have to pay in advance, but, you know, as the runner, you usually have a fairly reasonable idea of what you want to do on a turn, even if mm. you do have to think about it a little bit. Yep. May slow people down. Might be the Sensei's divining top of Netrunner. Uh, oh, then no. <laughs> The next card is Charlatan, uh, which may or may not describe me right now, talking about magical cards. Uh, it's a five-to-play virtual resource. It's got an ability, two clicks, make a run. The first time you approach a rest piece of ice during this run, you may pay credits equal to the strength of that ice to bypass it. Thoughts, Wilfie? Uh, I don't think this card is very good. In fact, I think it's quite bad. Like... Firstly, it's a five-cost resource that gives you the ability to pay two clicks to make a run. So, you know, it gives you the ability to pay an extra click. Um, but then once you do that, you have to pay the credits. You sort of get a... Um, and it's sort of like an AI breaker in the sense that you get to pay a click to make a run with the chance to, the first time you access an ice that you can't get through you can bypass it by paying its strength. By paying its... Yes, by paying its strength. So you sort of... Strength have zero is strength. usually a lot lower than res cost, though. Than res cost, yeah. But, you, yeah, it's sort of like a zero-cost AI breaker, right? Mm. Um, but you can... One, with the mongoose ability, and you have to pay an extra click. Like, paying Or rather, with extra one click, click to break all subroutines. One... Yeah, sure. I, I see. Actually, that makes more sense. Um... Actually, it's not as bad as I first envisaged <laughs> reading mm. the card. Like, one So click. it's, yeah, zero strength AI breaker with one click to break all subroutines. And it can only be used on the outermost piece of ice. Uh, does, can it only be used in the outermost piece of ice? The outermost, re like, as long as they res. Yes. The outermost res piece of the ice, The outermost right? res piece, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that, like, I still feel like it sort of has too many drawbacks to be good, like the strength of an effect like this is that you don't necessarily have to worry about running into anything just because you have an AI breaker. Um, Does it combo pretty well with Mammon and Spearfishing? To in allow what you sense? To, in that this and Spearfishing lets you get into any 2i server. Um, this and Mammon 
allows you to make runs not oh, I guess it doesn't really synergize with Mammon because you would have had to spend the credits in advance. Yeah, the thing with this and Mammon, it's sort of like you, you're playing two zero strength, uh, like very expensive icebreakers to kind of mm. do the same thing. Yeah. So I'm not sure about that. Like, yeah, I I feel like as a backup icebreaker, it's not that great just because of the um, restriction that you have to... It has to be only the first res piece of ice. And, like, yeah. actually, it's a bit worse than you said before because you have to pay the click immediately on making the run. Like, I feel like rather than only if you need to use it to break something, right? Yeah. Um, so I do feel like it has just a few too many drawbacks to be playable, especially since you need to pay five to immediately install it. But I do like the idea of a sort of icebreaker-like effect that doesn't necessarily cost a program slot or... Like, I think it's an interesting design, even if it isn't, at the moment, very strong. Like, this card isn't very strong. Hmm. Cool. The last criminal card in the pack is Maxwell James. It's a resource connection, one to install, one influence. It gives you a link, and it's got an ability, Trash, derez a piece of ice protecting a remote server. Use this ability only after a successful run on HQ. So this... Is another piece in the possible deck that we're seeing come together that we're discussing with Mammon, Brute Force Hack, Forge Activation Orders, Emergency Shutdown, Siphon, Econ Denial, Ice Denial sort of strategy. Um, it only works on remote servers and only if you've run HQ. But it's pretty cheap. What are your thoughts? Um... And it gives you a link in the meantime, which I think is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, like, I think this is another card which is best compared to Emergency Shutdown. Like, this, you can sort of play it in advance. Like, it costs a click before um, you run, not after you run, mm. which is sometimes better, sometimes worse. Like, usually better because you can play it early. But the fact that you can't do the thing of getting using a lot of your money to get into HQ and then shut downing like the ice on HQ like that when shutdown was commonly played that used to be a very common way to get through like a toll booth or something yeah was to um get through it once shut it down yeah 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 immediately after breaking the ice and getting through into HQ once, shut down it so that you could get into HQ for all your other cut. Like, you know, that it sort of snowballed from there, which this card doesn't really have. So I sort of see this more as a tool to, um, like, be better in remote camping decks. Like, but then, and like, give those sort of decks some sort of incentive for running HQ when n normally you don't necessarily have that much but those I think that doesn't really um, come together that much like it's I feel like it's hard to make this kind of card work in, in criminal um, I will say though that it is one influence and I think it could be good in something like an Anarch deck where you might like it's sort of like uh ice denial like it's a probably the one of the more splashable i uh ice de-resing cards that we've had in terms of influence cost 
So I think there could be something there if you can, if it's easy for you to get into HQ, but not necessarily easy for you to break things on remote servers, like if you have Ether, for example. Mm. I, I'm curious about why you think this couldn't work in a crim strategy. I mean, it seems to me that if you were having a sort of, I know I'm banging out about Mammon here, but if you had a like a Mammon deck that was tr- in Steve Cambridge or outside that was camping remotes, um, you either knew how many Mammon counters to put on to get into HQ or you could be reasonably certain um, and or the remote. It just I feel like this assists you with giving you easier access to that remote on the turns where it matters, which is something that will help that deck. Um, and having an extra link in the meantime is sort of useful. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like it helps yeah. to give you critical mass of ways to ways to deal with ice, which is sort of what you want to be doing. That's true. I just think that um, brute force hack and emergency shutdown kind of do the same thing. But then mm. again, for big ice, this is much better than brute force hack. So I can see definitely those three cards working together where you want them in some... Like, you want emergency shutdown in some situations, like early game, where you want to be able to get into centrals. You want this, where you don't really care about getting to centrals, but you need to derez. You need to be able to crack a remote, and you want brute force hack when you don't really want to get in anywhere, but you, like, have some long-term economy generation of your opponent. Yep. Yeah, I think that's very succinctly put. So that brings us to the end of the criminal cards in the pack and the end of episode 123. We'll be back next week to take you through all the Shaper cards, starting off with Isla Bios Rahim, uh, who I'm sure you've all heard about, read, and or played with through your campaign. Uh, but we'll, we'll be giving you our thoughts on what, how well she could fit into constructed Shaper decks. So we'll be back with that. Next week, if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, you can check us out on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash thewinningagenda and throw a few dollars our way. Uh, You can email us at thewinningagenda at gmail.com. You can check us out on Facebook. Our page is The Winning Agenda. Or you can tweet us at Winning Agenda. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week. Yes, thanks for listening. Bye.